Welcome everybody back to Dong City, May 3rd, 2021, episode number 58, the Jonathan Papelbon edition. There's no other notable number 58s in MLB history. Welcome everybody back to Dong City, uh, that. As you can see, we are here with our wonderful guest, Matt Bushnell, aka Justin Fields' favorite, favorite fan, and our gracious host, Vince Mercandetti. Rob is doing laundry somewhere, he'll be with us later. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome, welcome. As you can see, I'm still embracing the King Henry, you know, the ego here. Still have the McDonald's crown. I like it. <laughs> Party City, baby. Party City. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The the, the Papelbon edition. This is uh, episode 58. Everyone's going to say it's going to be as good as episode 42, and then it's not even going to come half as, half uh, as good as that. I, I could not find another notable number 58. I was like, it's really Jonathan Papelbon? But it is what it is. That's right. By the way, I like it. you have written Don City in the uh, in the subject. I mean, it, it still fits goes. me probably better than either of you. It still goes. Yeah. Wow. So welcome. We've got Matt here now. Matt, it's an interesting week for you. You gain a Justin Fields, but you lose a Louis Robert, which we will uh, get to. By the way, I'll say yep. this, Henry. Matt Vaskersian in MLB The Show says Robert. He does not say Robert. I am not expecting a white man named Vasquez <laughs> to be able to pronounce Robert and row his R's. I'm not doing that. I feel like I have to follow my fellow Caucasians and pronounce it Robert <laughs> now. I'm feeling a little pressure here. So anyway. It's, it's definitely Robert. Robert. All right. Robert. Maybe I'll continue to follow that and Acuna. Um, we got you doing the accent, so. Yeah, so I'm, I'm getting into it. Uh, quick COVID update before we get to Matt here. Not much to report. We'll actually, we'll flip-flop stadium protocols. We're going to talk about that a little bit for those wondering. But uh, Didi Gregorius is our COVID bright spot of the week. Uh, he had COVID, was clearly manipulated to the COVID list, came back. No one knows how. Then he hits a home run against the Mets last night. And, uh, and that's our COVID update. I could not so, believe that they were allowed to manipulate the COVID list that way. Yeah, well, you knew it was going to, I mean, what in the history of baseball, what has not been manipulated as far as rules go at some point? Yeah, I'm like, it's blatant. He's on, you know, he took a day off because he got, you know, he got drilled in the ribs. You know, we'll talk about that later. But you, you can't put him on the COVID aisle for one day. Yeah, mm. I I don't even think he can get test results. I mean, I guess maybe you can get rapid test results, but didn't you have to like, what, it used to be like you had to clear it twice or something. Two tests, two negative tests. Yeah, yeah two negative I don't tests. see how that happens in 24 hours. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. DD gone, DD back, no more COVID problems. We'll talk about stadium protocols after we get to this segment. Those are our top stories this week, uh, both <laughs> injury related and both to pretty big World Series possibilities here uh you know if you had asked me in the beginning of this week the two teams most likely to be in the world series it's probably white Sox and dodgers based on the way everyone was playing and now you lose louis robert with the white Sox, their best player and you lose dustin may to the dodgers and all of a sudden the dodgers now that i put a ton of stock into this right every team struggles at some point but the dodgers i believe have lost 10 of 13 now it kind of started with that three out of four to the Padres. Now they lose May. Uh, they still have Bauer, Bueller, and Urias, but they lose May. That's not a small injury by any means. Padres took three out of four. We've established on Dong City, the Padres just aren't scared of them at all. That's just not the way the Padres play baseball. 
And all of a sudden, things get a little interesting in the NL, and they get very, very, very interesting in the AL. Because if you thought White Sox and Yankees and Rays, maybe you're talking yourselves into the Red Sox for no reason. If you thought any of that, or the A's, maybe you think the A's can actually get out of the first round. If you're talking yourself into any of those teams now with the Robert injury, those teams are even closer. So, Maddie, talk to us about this from a White Sox fan perspective. I mean, what do you... Actually, talk to us about this from a Chicago fan perspective. You're, okay. you, know, you can bring the audible into this. You you just had that big trade with me. Um, you get Justin Fields in the draft. It took me three days, just like Jesus. You've risen to to rally behind Justin Fields, uh, and then you lose Robert. So just take you know mindset. Last last four days, take us through your your life. Oh Matt, uh, the the Justin Fields one. Let's just address that right now. Um, First, you see a couple of things, and you can only go off of some of the tape you see, which I mostly do, and then you start reading some excerpts about him. But, man, the kid's got talent. The, this throwing motion still worries me. I think it's one of those things. I know the pressure will be on the Bears to start him, but as a fan base, I think it's important for Chicago fans just to slow your roll with Justin Fields because if he fixes that mechanical issue with this throwing motion, you're looking at, a possible top 10, top five quarterback in the NFL in three to four years. His upside is pretty high. And then you hear about that um, recall test that they do, 6,500 athletes. He scored, I believe, the highest test score ever in being able to recall information. 130, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, so as a Bears fan, you have to be excited, cautiously optimistic, but pump your brakes. Let the kids start. Let Andy Dalton get the shit beat out of them. And then you can roll out Justin Fields as your shiny new toy. But the Bears had a really good draft overall. Um, I, I really liked what they did with all their picks. Then you go to Sunday, uh, watching the game, and you see Luis Robert stretched for first, try to beat that infield single, and you're like, oh, my God. It, it looked bad, and you saw how far apart his legs got. And I, I thought he may have broken his – fibula is tibia one of those non-weight-bearing bones and then we hear this today it is absolutely devastating um i can't think of a more significant injury for this team right now it's four to five months right 12 to 16 weeks they're saying yeah i i would say hold out on I, I, it's going to be at least 12 weeks if he needs surgery i think it's done for the year i i can't see him coming back if they have to go in there and reattach it the hip flex is completely torn, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, what, I, what the White Sox are looking not, you know, by no means do I, do I mean this in any sort of celebratory <laughs> goal, but way, but it, what the White Sox are looking at now is best case scenario getting Eloy and Luis back in August. Yeah. Best case scenario. Uh, and probably late August at that. So you're talking, you know, rehab, uh, getting your timing back. Uh, we've seen this happen, actually. It doesn't happen with the Yankees, but it happens with normal teams. <laughs> where these guys come back and they're like hot right off the bat. Yankees need like an entire rehab and then a month. Um, so, I mean, I, like at, you may get them back for September is how I'm looking at it. Uh, and then a playoff run. But to your point, that's best case scenario for both of them. And these are both injuries that could very well kind of have uh, setbacks where you might be looking at the season. And if you're the White Sox, you got to take a look at the big picture here. Uh, are you playing for the 2021 World Series? And I, I think the Lance Lynn trade really pushed that envelope. And now it kind of sucks because, you know, you never envisioned that 
one, your best hitter in Eloy Jimenez is going to be gone for, you know, virtually almost the entire year. And I, I still don't think Eloy will be back in August. I think best case scenario will be towards the end of September. The tearing a pec muscle is, you know, that, that, that's a pretty serious injury, especially with a baseball swing. And then with the hip flexor with Robert, I don't see how this team with the window that they're looking at can risk six, seven years versus one year. And I, I know there's conversations, you know, each year, nothing's guaranteed. You have to go for it. But with these two guys, obviously you're, well, I mean, maybe they're two biggest stars. Obviously they're, they're two biggest personalities. Uh, they're box office draws. I do not think that you rush these guys back. You kind of swallow this pill. You let Robert and Eloy come back when it's better for them. And, you know, the pitching staff, uh, big picture White Sox here. Giolito has not been good this year. He's had moments. Um, he's also had some very bad innings. The Boston Patriots Day game is one that sticks in my memory. Yeah. Thanks for that fantasy. Yeah. Leo. Yeah, that, that was ugly from the beginning. Um, the bright spot is you have Carlos Rodon pitching his ass off, but Dallas Keuchel's got to get better. Giolito's got to get better. Um, you know, maybe they start looking at putting Kopech in the starting rotation now, mm -hmm. realizing that maybe you need to start looking at 2022. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> we're, we're getting calls for both Puig and Cespedes with the White Sox to replace <laughs> the Cubans. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be a Cuban. Those have to be the only two players they're considering, right? Like, I can't think of any other Cubans who are unemployed right now. I don't think they sign anybody. I think they're going to handle this internally. I, I think what you'll see is my worst nightmare come true, and that's Billy Hamilton in center field. Um, maybe they move Adam Eden to center. Uh, he played center for the White Sox in the past. It's, he's not very good at center field anymore. So that would be... I think one of your worst options, but I think White Sox fans are going to get a heavy dose of Lurie Garcia and Billy Hamilton. Yeah, that's depressing. Um, well, I mean, it's a good thing we face each other next week. So thank you for that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, there's no way it's around it. The good news is that it, two things. One is you mentioned it, Melvin mentioned it in the, in the comments. I've talked about this. I know Henry agrees. Uh, if you're a baseball fan and you're looking at this historically, right, most teams, with the exception of the Chicago Cubs, do not just grow linear. <laughs> like, like your development is not exactly linear. Sometimes you have this major breakout year. We'll take the 2008 Rays, for example, come out of nowhere, get to the World Series. Then you don't get back. Um, the Yankees, another good example, 2017, they get within a game of the World Series. They haven't come that close since. Dodgers, same story. They finally won the World Series, but they didn't just go and progressively get better. They didn't finish the job early in that arc. Um, the White Sox are going through that now. I, you know, this is what happens with most teams. You show a lot of promise. They benefited. I think we all agree on the 60-game season last year. It made them probably look better than they actually were um, in that they made the playoffs. They were fun to watch. They made noise. They did fall apart a little bit towards the end, which was probably more par for the course. If you had 162 game season, I think they were probably more of a 500 team than maybe a 90 win team. But now all these expectations, they go, they have another great off season, all these expectations going into this year, all of a sudden you're talking yourself into, well, there's no one else in the AL who's really running away with this thing. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is this young players, as young as this roster is, it just doesn't always happen linear. And I think you're seeing that now you're going to have early injuries. Guys are going to struggle. They're going to have sophomore slumps. 2022, I think makes sense all around to reload, do the development thing that you have to do, get back into it. I truly believe that's what makes the Red Sox win like every five years or so is they don't rush anything. (laughs) <laughs> they they're willing to come in last place they're willing to be sellers even if they're on that bubble they're willing to look bad so they can reload and just have the best team possible win the world series and do the same thing over again um that's my thoughts on the white Sox. i, I do agree with everyone in the comments seems to be pretty unanimous you just don't go uh, you know you don't go all in this early in a world series window and by all accounts white Sox are going to be around for a while so yes yeah. and you're in a division may still compete for the playoffs this year even with these injuries playoffs not world series but playoffs i think well, I, you know we i expected a step back if you remember i did say they'd take a step back yeah. but this is also why you play the games because on paper things look great on paper you have people who will step you know step back and, and people like rodon who will step forward that you really didn't expect much from and then you have you know injuries injuries are always a big mystery so this is what you get. I mean, but White Sox is set up for the future for, for a while. You know, they have a lot of uh, young studs. And, and I think, you know, let the injuries play themselves out. If those guys need extra rest, give them that rest now. Let them rehab correctly and, you know, do what you can to stay above water and come back next year full strength. Yeah, I, I will say, just to add this in there, if you're a Minnesota Twins fan right now, you have to be taking the biggest sigh of relief you have all season. Yeah. They're off to a horrific start, and I don't think anyone believes in the Royals. I mean, they can hit, but that pitching rotation is not its not built to last. This isn't sustainable. So now it looks like it's back on the Twins. Um, White Sox look like dog shit against Cleveland. This team hasn't looked right with Eloy out. So, I mean, who, whoever predicted the Twins to win this division, I, I think you can take a deep sigh and realize that that's probably what's going to happen this year. Yeah, it's uh, you you can rely on the Twins to win that division and lose in the first round. Like, I mean, it just doesn't take any effort to do that. But uh, now it seems a little more obvious than it did. You and it's know. crazy. They're, they're already six games back. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we we kind of have tough. I mean, obviously, on this show, we talk all about the Yankees' struggles to begin the year more than anyone. But, I mean, you, it really was true. It's starting to turn a little bit for some. But you look at all the teams who were predicted to be in the mix. I mean, the White Sox had a slow start. They're off the, and they're in a good spot now, record-wise. Um, Oakland obviously had their terrible start. They're now in first place. You had, uh, you know, Tampa still under 500. The Yankees are 500. The Twins are six under. I mean, they might have the worst start of everyone. Mm-hmm. And then the Braves are four under. The uh, I mean, the Cubs, we all expected to suck, except Cubs fans. And yeah, I mean, you know, only the Dodgers really, in my mind, like took off. So yeah, well, anyway, thank you to Matt for joining us. Uh, that was our- I he didn't like, well, oh, there he goes. There he goes. Yeah, that was our <laughs> that was our segment there. But yeah, I mean, you know, White Sox, I think could still compete for the playoffs, even with the injuries. I just, there are chances of now making a World Series run if those two guys aren't healthy. It, it's slim to none in my mind, but I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. No, if you're the White Sox, here's what you do. Um, You let Cespedes develop in the minor leagues. Obviously, he was the oldest international signee of this last period at 23. You let Vaughn continue taking his lumps. I mean, I think that's one bright spot is that Vaughn has shown some positional flexibility, being able to play left. 
So maybe you can see Eloy at DH. Uh, Yermin Mercedes has been a bright spot. I still don't know how sustainable his season is, if at all. So if you're the White Sox, there's things to look forward to, but I think you really got to start looking at 2022, get Kopech geared up for a spot in the starting rotation because I don't think they re-sign Lynn. I think that's going to be too rich for this ownership group. And, you know, you, you keep on doing what you're doing and hope these, these guys are ready for 2022. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Corey said Billy Hamilton is getting his ancestry DNA check right now to see if he's part Cuban. <laughs> you better be. Uh, but thank you, Matt, for joining us. Uh, if you wanted to definitely get your take, and it was very, very short notice, obviously. So thank you. You can catch Matt along with Randy Hammond on the Audibles Tuesdays at 8 p.m., right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. No, 7 p.m. Eastern PM, Standard yeah, Time. Off on something. 7 yeah. p.m. Central. Uh, Tuesdays are the day right after us and obviously coming off the NFL draft. If you're a football fan, you're going to want to tune in and uh, follow them throughout the off season until we have end football back in September. Yeah, that, yep, we that, have grades. That draft party we did last week was great and it's, it's pinned in the football group. You can see I'm still uh, celebrating <laughs> my draft. So, <laughs> so Matt Bush and all everyone. Thanks, Matt. Uh, have a good night, Matt. Thank you, guys. Yep. So we go to the other side. Dustin May, significantly less good looking as Louis Robert. He also, he's, I mean, he's getting Tommy John, which we know from tracking Severino. Uh, Red Sox fans know from tracking Sale. Mets fans know from tracking Syndergaard. You're not talking just 2021. 18. You're talking mo at least half of 2022 at this point because he's having it done now. I think it was all those it's going to be May memes that have been going around in the group. <laughs> yeah uh yeah that it was just a cruel irony that he goes down in may like as soon as may happens too like I, I know you think the dodgers are taking their lumps but like I, i'm gonna keep saying this team is as deep as they come you have a guy like david price waiting in the wings i mean it's, it's an embarrassment of riches for them they had a stretch last year where they kind of sucked for a little while and, and stumbled out the gate as they normally do they're gonna be fine I think they take this hit and, and they don't even blink and, and they continue to just dominate that division. Yeah. I mean, I still think they're, I've said 110 games earlier. I'll probably back off of that with the injury and whatnot, but I still think they're a hundred plus win team. I still think they win the NL West. I still think that they're the world series favorites in the NL. Um, but obviously you take more hits like this and that number just goes down each time. May is a big injury. There's no getting around it. I just think this team went from, possibly historically good to now just very, very good. <laughs> so figure, I don't think the Dodgers are going to stay at top of the division, which they are right now, surprisingly by a half game. I, that's not going to be the case. You don't think the Dodgers, well, you did. Sorry, you have I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, the Giants. Yeah. The Giants are currently in first place by Giants, half. Right. They're definitely not staying there. We don't expect them to. to Although stay. kudos to them. Yeah. We'll get to them a little bit later. They're interesting start to the year, but. Um, anyway, going back to the COVID protocols real quick. I know we wanted to touch on the stadium protocols. Um, I can tell you <laughs> going to the trop, there are none. You have to wear your mask to get in. You have to wear your mask in concessions. Once you sit down, no one really cares about the mask. There's no vaccination test requirement. There's no test requirement. There's nothing like that. Remind me where the trop is again. Uh, uh, right in St. Pete, Florida, not to be confused with Tampa, Florida, by the way. Um, yeah, so don't worry about that if you're ever heading to the TROP. And uh, it's actually gotten better there because there's there's even less people. 
Uh, I actually, the open the gates on time, I got in the stadium on time when I went, so that was nice. But um, yeah, so anyway, but I know it's not the same in the rest of the country. I'm uh, in three Yankee games in, in three Yankee games, and I think for most of MLB, um, you need one of the three. You need a proof of vaccination. You need, if it's a PCR test, 72 hours before game time. If it's a rapid test, you need it six hours before game time. I am not vaccinated, so I've been getting tests for every game. <laughs> um, and, and once you're at your seat, they really don't harass you with your mask because there's really no one around you, you know, 10,000 fan capacity. Um, but if you're walking around the stadium and you don't have a mask, they have people with signs asking you to, you know, kind of put your mask on while you're walking around. So, yeah, I should add on a personal note, I am now fully vaccinated. So, uh, as of about 10 days from now, I'm, I'm good to go anyway, but for the rest of you, most of the country, I think you're probably gonna need some sort of tests proven before you can get in. Um, as we know, we went through DD, so that's it for COVID updates. So now we can get into who's hot, who's not. Hopefully we've, oh, we, we right on time, we got Rob here. Uh, so Rob's back, he'll be joining us right now. Let's get into who's hot here, Henry. Do you want to uh, take this segment away and, and give us some players here who have been hot this week? I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it local. I, I know, uh, you know I'm gonna keep it with Stanton and Judge, but Judge particularly has been absolutely scorching this last week. He is hitting 400 and he's getting on base at almost a 500% clip and his slugging is 950. He has two, uh, a grand slam, three home runs and 10 RBI. Aaron Judge is absolutely on fire. Last year's should have been MVP. Jose Ramirez is slugging 1100. So these guys are on fire. I'll give you those two. Who you got? Well, I was going to say just to add on to Judge that um... – he, I should remind you, there is a certain Mets fan in the group who called him only a Yankee for marketing purposes. He was no longer good. Right. Uh, always important to point out the hot takes that we get in this group. Uh, that was one of them. Judge, like you said, hitting 400 is absolutely on fire. That resulted in Aaron Boone benching him for rest. So <laughs> we're going to have a whole podcast on that shit, man. Yeah. Now I should say something I've been partially wrong about. This is a partial wrong Vince segment. Uh, Chris Bryant has been on fire to start the year, which is a good and a bad thing for me. Bad because I was not particularly high on Chris Bryant having this kind of rebound. Good. Um, What's that? You were, yes. Uh, good, though, because I did say as well, if he does have a rebound, the Cubs should absolutely trade him at the deadline. I don't think they will. That's my hot take here. I don't think they're going to trade him at the deadline. I think they're going to sit with their dog shit team and just leave him to walk for nothing. There's no way that's going to happen. I think they absolutely trade this team. This kind of goes into, we've now got two of these kind of bets going on. Rob, if you're listening, we need you to write this down because I'm curious how it turns out. Uh, one is that the Braves will not make any significant trade <laughs> to improve their team at the deadline, assuming they're remotely in it, which I think they will be. Two now is whether the, the Cubs actually trade Chris Bryant. And on top of that, I should say, they actually get a return. It's not a U Darvish trade. They have to. They have to have to. There's no way in hell Chris Bryant resigns. Just on, on GP, he is not resigning in Chicago. 28 plate appearances this past week. Four home runs, six runs scored, a 14.3 walk percentage, 462 BABIP, so that's probably not going to last, but uh, over a 1,000 slugging. So, I mean, the man is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. 
if you are Cubs front office and you have your head screwed on correctly, this couldn't work, be working out better. If you are the Cubs front office of the last two or three years, you're going to let him walk and you're not going to get a return. And like years from now, it'll take Cubs years from now, Cubs fans, they're going to look back at this and be like, what a missed opportunity. But there will be some Cubs fans who are like, oh, thank God we saw him those extra two months when we weren't in a playoff race. And it would be like that with any fan base, not just the Cubs. Do you want to see something absolutely crazy? Yeah. Accidentally click, clicked on the ABIP right now, right? Yeah. Austin Riley for Atlanta for this last week. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. The batting average with balls hitting to play, 722. <laughs> that's Wait, what? I don't even know how that's possible. 722, 30 plate appearances. So it's not like it's a sample size thing. Yeah. That's, that's absurd. So you're talking 21 hits? His batting average of balls is play seven. Well, that's only for balls that he actually hit. Not and strikeouts and walks, right? Okay. Still. He's striking mean, out of the 27% clip. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Vlad, by the way, uh, I think he has arrived. <laughs> Three home runs this past week, 22 plate appearances. How's this? 27.3 walk percentage, 22.7 strikeout percentage. That's going to start to trend scary. He gets under 20% strikeout rate and he keeps that walk percentage. The man's going to be a mini trout. Vladimir Taylor is here to stay. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, and only a 286 BABIP, by the way, but he's hitting 333. <laughs> so. That is going to stay. I mean, it's, I think a lot of it is the defensive pressures are kind of off of him. Now he's playing first base. He's not playing third base. He doesn't have to worry about his defensive woes. He can go out there and do what he does, which is put on a show with the bat. And he did. He did get into better shape. I don't, you know, I don't, it's always in the eye of the beholder. He did get into better shape. Kudos to him. Reminds me of when Devers had a bad season, got into better shape, had a massive season, got back out of shape, had a bad season. Now I think he's back in shape again. So now he's having a good season. Not too different. Uh, Byron Buxton should 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 mention for the Twins. The dude does not walk. He also rarely strikes out, uh, but he is hitting. He has a 500 on base percentage this week. That's nice. 471 average. Or I'm sorry, that's Ben Intendi, 476, 500 for Byron Buxton. And then you got uh, Alex Kurloff, I mentioned for fantasy purposes. He came on the scene. He was doing terrible this season. He's got four home runs this week and uh, he's uh, hitting 292. So I think if, if he, if you do fantasy, that's a young guy, top prospect for the Twins in a Twins lineup. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, to my friends, if you join the Twins lineup, I feel like you're just automatically rewarded 30 home runs. So if you're in the fantasy, that's a guy I'd target if he's still out there. Um, those are my hots. So let's get to now the knots. Um, Hold on. I think uh, I'm getting an alert from Zoom. I think we're going to be kicked off shortly. Don't know why. Let me, understand that. Yeah. Yeah. We got a countdown. Interesting. Let me, I'm going to pause this recording. I'm going to jump right on another meeting and then I'll splice them together later. So we'll be right back in about two or three minutes. Bear with us guys. All right, folks, welcome back. This is episode 58 and a half. <laughs> so we need to on so much. We had to get rid of the 58 and go with a half here. Right, folks, um, back. Part two of the killing spree here. 
Um, yeah, so welcome back. We just got through our, our Who's Hot segment. Now we're going to go to Who's Not, and uh, that reminds me of score updates for today. So far, we just have Brewers up one nothing. It was a Lorenzo Kane home run so far. That's on the Phillies. Rest of the games haven't started yet. Not starting for another 10 minutes, so not much to go through as far as live action. Let's go to Who's Not, and this is a special shout-out to the Detroit Tigers uh, they are having a really, really bad season, and they're having an even worse week. Tigers are 8-21. and 21. They have a negative 62 run differential. Now, we knew the Tigers, Henry, were going to be bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have predicted this bad. Like, I didn't think they were a team that might lose 110 games, and that's what they look like right now. They're pretty bad. I know they had some travel issues when it came to play the Yankees. And look, I'm not complaining. The Yankees needed to get bad off of them, and they did exactly what they needed to do. Um, but yeah, they they had some travel issues. They, you know, they got in real late for one game. Uh, but they're getting beat up. I don't care if that's who's playing. I'm kicking your ass. To put this in perspective, negative 62 run differential, the second worst run differential in the entire American League is negative 17, the Texas Rangers. The entire league, the second worst, is 45 runs better than the Detroit Tigers. And in the NL, it is negative 26, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that's super bad. And in this last week, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking through it now, I don't think they won a game. So... Look, negative 62 is something... You see, like seasons worth of you know yeah like that's a bad team over the course of a season yeah this is like four weeks and it, and they're not gonna be 500 the rest of the year so that number is only gonna go down for the rest of that. i mean they might get into negative 200 maybe 300 territory you really know, bad you know who else is not hot who's that and i think i'm gonna do this weekly Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Nolan Arenado, 30 plate appearances, is hitting 296, which is not bad, getting on base at 367 and slugging 556. He ain't doing shit. He's not walking, striking out. He ain't having another good week. I knew you had to get that out of your system. Um, by the way, to, to reiterate the Tigers for a second, this was their week from the last time we did Dong City. Lost 3-2. Lost or 1-5-2 against the White Sox. Maddie did not like that. Uh, and then they, I guess, had an off day. No pun intended. So then they go and they play, or the White Sox again. White Sox, oh, yeah, because it's rained out. White Sox win 3-1. White Sox win 11-0. The next day, they lose 10-0 to the Yankees. Then 6-4 to the Yankees, 2-0 to the Yankees. That's been their week, 1-6. And and they lost two games by double digits. That's bad. Um, By the way, JT Riomudo, two-run home run, 2-1 Phillies. So... Yeah, I, I get my shout out to the entire team of the Detroit Tigers. You get it to Nolan Arenado. Let, we, we touched on the Phillies a little bit. Let's go to the Phillies again. Last night, did you watch the game, Henry? I watched some of the game. I did not watch everything. I always tend to at least follow along on Sunday night games since the only one going on. And usually I have like some sort of fantasy repercussions going on. Um, I was watching Lindor hoping he just went O for the day and Rio Mudo because those were the last two guys I was facing. Talk about uh, not hot. 
What's that? Talking about not hot, right? Yeah, yeah I mean. Food in New York. We'll go back to, to Lindor maybe in a couple of weeks and see if he's still hitting 180. But that panic just goes up a little bit more, a little bit every single week, I think, if you're a Mets fan. Um, and there's no getting around it. That's a guy you need. But Philly's Mets last night, this was a wild one. Philly's up 4-2. Now, that was a comeback. Mets were up 2-0 in this game. And then you have the Mets making a little noise. Now, this was, I should remind everyone, if you go into the thread for the Mets and Phillies game, I said the Mets offense needed to basically wake up because New York offenses just haven't been good this year. And this is what literally happened the next inning. Mets make their comeback. They're going to come back from down 4-2. And they're going to... The R play was, was real crucial, by the way. What's that? That Jonathan VR play where he just basically stole home. Oh, yeah. I love him for that. He's not doing as well as he, you know, has done with the Orioles, for example, but he absolutely is electric sometimes. And it's, it's fun to watch that. That's the big hit. That's the Pete Alonso basis clearing double. That puts the Mets on top. Now you have Edwin Diaz, best closer in New York, some might say, uh, coming in 8-4 Mets, non-save situation, should point out. Now it's 8-5 Mets. Oh, Diaz lost the plate. Doing uh doing his his Mets thing here, and then this happens. Riz Hoskins two on. This ties the game, right? Because the umpires signal this a home run. Hoskins thinks it's a home run. The Phillies bench thinks it's a home run. Here's the replay. It hits a non-yellow colored rail, <laughs> and it's actually not a home run. I still think that's a home run, though. I I thought about this. I looked at the replay a few times. Watched the John Boy. Um, it's not because it that is in play. It, now, what's stupid about this, if they put a yellow line there, as far as I understand, it would have been a home run. Right. But because it's not there, it's still in play. And then they strike out Bryce Harper to end the game. Mets end up winning 8-7 because the Hoskins run doesn't count because he had to go back to second. Conforto tying that game up was in when he let the when he drew the base loaded walk. What inning was that? The ninth inning? The eighth inning? Eighth inning. Eighth inning. And we'll get to this too, but everything that happened in the last few days with that specific picture, if I'm walking in a run and you walk me, I'm going to look like Simone Biles and I'm doing backflips to first base and I'm milking it and I'm pimping that shit if I'm Conforto. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm milking that shit. I think it was against Alvarado and I would have pimped it and screamed and pointed. I would have done everything. I would have been so petty if I was Michael Conforto. I, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> if you go back, reading the thread sometimes of other fans is like my favorite thing to do. Um, you go back, you could tell how Mets fans felt about Alvarado's pitching yesterday. And rightfully so. I mean, look, they, this is, they, this is their version of Yankees race for us. I mean, these two teams don't like each other now. There's bad blood now. There's beef going back now. Uh, Alvarado showed them up. Uh, this has become a big controversy now. And this kind of ties into something else we were going to talk about. Um, this is now a, a thing in baseball is now you, we have to find that line. I guess we could tie these two things in together. The other thing that went on and we can get into this is the Cubs Reds game. Now the Cubs or Cubs Reds series, I should say. Before you go, we should talk about Dom Smith though. Yeah, well, go ahead. Let's do the Dom. So this started Friday night. It goes back to, I think, when he, when Alvarado hit Michael Conforto earlier in the year, he threw up and then really high and tight. Then he hit him with the next pitch. And Dom Smith is basically telling Alvarado, yo, keep it below the head. It's too high. Alvarado's talking shit. So that was earlier in the season. 
Dom Smith comes at the plate and draws a three nothing. It's three nothing, three open oh, ball. He comes and he gets three one strike, three two strike. Dom Smith strikes out on the fastball right down the middle. I don't know how he missed it. And Dom Smith turns to the ump and says, "Was that a strike?" As he's walking away, Alvarado's just talking so much shit. Dom Smith's a big boy, man. <laughs> Dom Smith turns around and says, who are you talking to? Alvarado says, I'm talking to you. They start walking to each other. Of course, they, they wait till, you know, the bullpen's running in. And right, yeah. Once there's 20 guys in between. Alvarado's doing the don't hold me back move. Um, <laughs> you know, Dom Smith, man, he basically said, cast me outside. How about that? You know, in his post-game press conference, I grew to like Dom Smith even more because of this. He basically said, you talking all this shit. Me, me in the locker room, you know where I'm at. I know where you're at, and let's handle it like men. I respect Dom Smith for that. Yeah, I. so this is what – it's a it's a juxtaposition between these two divisional matchups. And, and, again, I'll point it out there. Last year, the Yankees and Rays went through this scenario. Um, the full story last year was that the Rays – I don't remember who the pitcher is. They go high and tight on DJ LeMahieu, Yankees' best hitter last year. Um, they hit him once they go inside again on him high and tight near the head. Don't hit him. Yankees then come back the next day. And I think they hit two rays. And I think those are all just Chapman. One of them was Mike Rousseau that started that bad blood. Kevin cash then comes on throwing a temper tantrum Rays lost that game as one of two games. They lost to the Yankees regular season last year. Uh, he throws a temper tantrum. That's when the stable of 98s comes about. He says, you know, you want to throw 98 at our guy. We have a stable of 98s in the bullpen that could retaliate. Everyone takes the race side last year. I mean, look at the comment section. 95% of people in baseball life take the race side. Even with the full story, tried to provide them context. They take the race side. Why? <laughs> because you don't throw at people. Fine. Well, now we fast forward to these scenarios. And you have Alvarado, you know, this is the thing that I pointed out. And I, I, got into, I got into it a little bit with Cubs fans for this reason. You have to figure out where the line is. I think it's great if Tim Anderson wants to celebrate a walk-off in April. I think it's great if Amir Garrett wants to fight the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team, celebrate, puff his chest. I think it's great if Alvarado wants to talk shit after a strikeout. I think it's great if you want to pimp your home runs and do bat flips. All of that's fine with me. But it has to go both ways or it has to go no ways. That's my problem. And with the Reds-Cubs game, you had Amir Garrett strike out Anthony Rizzo in a big spot. Cubs win the game anyway, by the way. But Amir Garrett gets a big strike out on Anthony Rizzo, and the Cubs all of a sudden have a huge problem with it. You have Javi Baez coming out of the bullpen trying to fight him over it. And I don't get it. <laughs> what, what, what are you mad at? You, he's doing the exact same thing hitters do. And all of the defense, Henry, this whole time was, well, you don't want him to flip his bat. You don't want him to show you up, strike him out. That's what he did. And all of a sudden they don't like that he's celebrating. That's the way fans are. Fans are fickle. They, they only want what works for their side at the time. Right. And I'm told it's bad blood. This goes back to 2018. It, you know, Baez has beef with Garrett. Garrett's a thug. Garrett's this. Garrett's that. And this isn't any different than any other thing we see uh, and yeah, I, what is Baez doing here? What this is, I was told this was passion. Passion is not benches clearing. That's not sportsmanship. That's not how games are played. That's not passion. You want to get into a boxing ring? I wouldn't suggest it with Amir Garrett. You want to get into a boxing ring? Go do it. That's not baseball. I'm going to tell you what this is. This is being a Puerto Rican. <laughs> That's what this is. This is being a Puerto Rican. Javi Baez, hot tempered dude. He is very passionate. You watch the World Baseball Classic, and you watch the Caribbean World Series, you watch Winter League ball, 
this is the passion that you get. This is that passion. But Amir Garrett's a big boy, man. <laughs> Amir Garrett, and these are two of my favorite baseball personalities, both of them. Amir Garrett is an absolute big boy. So if I'm Javi Baez, you better be real quick and real strong to fuck, you know, to fuck with that dude because Amir Garrett's a big, big boy. I don't know why Javi was chirping. Amir Garrett did his thing. Amir Garrett looks a little foolish because his numbers are not pretty this season. So, you know. Yeah, and like I said, the Cubs won the game. So that makes it right. work. If you want to talk shit, at least play well. I mean, you know, he celebrated after the strikeout. I like it. I like the back and forth. I like the you show me up, I show you up. We touched on it last week with Trevor Bauer and his comments. I think he handled it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Can't be the bully and the victim in these situations. Right. You That's can't celebrate. Yeah, you can't celebrate, have fun. I'm passionate. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And then when it gets done to you, you'd be, you know, a sour person. You can't have it both ways. And especially you have a guy like Baez. Baez, like you said, one of the most passionate players in the game. We've seen time and time again his quick tags and his huge celebrations for outs and stuff like that. Whatever you want to say. He's hit some big home runs in his life too. Uh you got to take your medicine. I mean, you can't play that game and then get mad when it's done at you. I'm told that one of the reasons Brad pointing out Amir Garrett started walking towards Rizzo, uh, who cares? Unless Amir Garrett was going to drop his, you know, raise his fists and start fighting him, you don't come out of the dugout. There was nothing to defend. There wasn't a fight there. Rizzo was walking back to the dugout. And Garrett struck him out. And like you said, maybe it wasn't the greatest place celebration, but the Cubs did as a team what they were supposed to do. They won the game, but... You can't get mad at that. You can't have it both ways. You know, it did piss me off. And it's, it's had to be doing a group. When that happened, I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, he kept calling Amir Garrett a thug, and it really pissed me off. Because, t- I'm sorry. It, That's your boy. Not not only is it my boy, he only called Amir Garrett a thug because he was black. And that pissed me off. Like, that's the only reason he's calling him. There's no other reason to call a baseball player a thug on that moment, and that really pissed me off. I'm not going to lie, I kind of threw the guy out the group, but <laughs> yeah. that, that pissed me the fuck off. I don't have enough sample size of guy of pitchers celebrating after strikeouts to know wh- what the reasoning was. But, hey, we've seen it time and time again in baseball life, so I have no doubt that that's probably true. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that, that was why – I was confused. Like, I, I am all about Bryce Harper's absolutely right, by the way. Like, you want to make this argument. Bryce Harper's right. Guys need to be able to show their personality. Baseball players are boring. This is why we harp on Mike Trout. It's not Mike Trout's fault. He has boring personality, but it's a fact. He's boring. He's not a great face of the game because he's so indifferent personality-wise. And that's, um, he is, and that's fine. It works for him. But don't get mad when the Acunas and the Tatises of the world yeah, having fun and they're getting the marketing deals and they're being put on the commercials and on the video games. And, right. Yeah, fun. Like, yeah. If you're an Angels fan, look, we, any smart baseball fan knows Mike Trout's hitting over 400. He has like over 500 on base. The man is on another planet. He has officially reached Barry Bonds early 2000s level where he's just on like a several tiers above anyone else. And as a baseball purist, that, that in itself is exciting. But Mike Trout as a marketable tool, isn't isn't it tatis is it acuna is it Baez is it judges it 
he's not the greatest personality, but just his sheer size and what he does on the field. He's marketable. He plays for the Giants. Right, big market. He had the missing teeth. Well, he had the missing teeth. He got his teeth fixed over the week. Trout is not it. (laughs) So I have no problem with the personalities. I was going to say that there's nothing wrong with his personality. It's just he's a quiet, reserved guy. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just what his personality is, and that's not going to get the young kids involved in baseball. You want to reach the younger demographics? Marketing the Mike Trouts of the world is not going to do it. Right. So no issue at all with Javi Baez in a a vacuum. No issue at all with Amir Garrett in a vacuum. But again, we, we, in baseball life, it's been a thing. We push and push and push for these personalities to come out to do what you want. Sportsmanship doesn't really matter. It's okay to just do bat flips and celebrate. You do cartwheels around the base for all I care. And all that's fine with me. But if a pitcher wants to celebrate, you'd, yeah, take it. It's part of the game. You know what pisses me off too? MLB, they throw mixed signals here because you tell players, be yourselves, you you market the campaign, let the kids play, but then you go and you suspend Dom Smith for two games. And I'm yeah. sure Javi Baez is going to get suspended. And which one is it? Are we suspending these guys for being themselves? Or are we letting them play? Like, you can't send mixed mix, um, signals here. I, I mean, example number 7 million, we're both in agreement. MLB is their own worst enemy. You know, they capitalize off personalities, but when there's personality and passion on the field, they punish the wrong guys. I think we've seen that time and time again. Look, that to me, no one should be punished for that scenario. No punches were thrown. Yes, the dugout's emptied, but no, no one swung at anyone. No, nothing was harmed. No one was hit. Like I just, it should just let it go. Like that's passion, good. It's going to draw, it's just like hockey fights. Like hockey fights have no, they have a little bit of a, maybe a psychological edge in hockey, but that's what draw fans like that. So just let it go. You're not going to suspend a dude for getting into a fight. You are if he tries to stab someone with a skate, but you're not if they get into a fight. So let it be. Um, But anyway, that game last night, Phillies Mets game was tremendous. That Reds Cubs series was tremendous. Rob, do we have the highlights? Uh, I mean, there, there were just, a catastrophic amount of home runs this year. By the way, the Reds lead the the lead baseball in home runs. Uh, they're currently edging out the Yankees, who came out of nowhere to get towards the top of the AL in home runs after they didn't hit any for like three weeks. Thank you, Detroit. <laughs> yes, thank you, Detroit. I think they hit what five in that first game. Um, this is now is a two-two score. This is this is going to start the dong parade. This is our aforementioned man, Chris Bryant, sending one out. Tyler Mayo, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, great start to the year, but not a great game here. That's Rizzo. Familiar faces going dongs. Cubs going up there. Um, by the way, great American. I'll always tout it. Just one of the best places you can watch a game. Super fun. Not a beautiful stadium, but super fun to go to. And it is very easy to hit home runs. Yeah. A real launching pad. Yes, this is one of those stadiums I always take exception to when people are like, Yankee Stadium's a little league ballpark. Well, right field's a little league ballpark, but left center's 399. <laughs> so when you're when you're a guy like Aaron Judge who's a righty, yeah, if you can hit it 350 opposite field down the right field line, it's it's an advantage. But if you're not a player, which most aren't, who can do that, it's actually not an advantage to be a righty in Yankee Stadium. Um, it is an advantage to be anything in great America because it's easy to hit home run anywhere. There's Suarez hitting one. Uh, Suarez, by the way, not quite hot enough to make our list, but he's figuring it out a little bit after a very slow start. That's Bryant again, three for three at this point, two home runs. 
I mean, this just goes on and on. We just say uh, dong after dong, here's <laughs> dong after dong, that's bias. We couldn't choose a dong of the week. So we just said, you know what? All 10 home runs from yesterday's games. This is just one game, by the way. The whole series was like this, but this was just one game. This was 10 home runs, 25 runs, and 30 hits in one game. That is not how you uh, set pace of play, by the way. <laughs> this had to have been a three-and-a-half-hour game at least. Oh, yeah. Great. Great if you're following it on the box score. Great for fantasy. Uh, not great. Great probably if you're there. I mean, everyone likes seeing Oh, absolutely. If I'm going to that game, I'm having a shitload of fun. Oh, yeah. But – not great if you're into strategy. Not great if you're into uh, pace of play. Not great if you're into owning any of these relievers. That was even Anton. I mean, that guy's unhittable, and he gave up a home run that game. So those are my two favorite games of the entire week, besides all of the ones the Yankees won, was the uh, the home run derby between the Cubs and Reds and last night's Phillies-Mets game, which also highest scoring. But um, those were great, great to watch. So we go around the league now, and I'll give you another score update before we do. Currently, Philly's now up 3-1 on the Brewers. Speaking of home runs, uh, they didn't get one there. Roman, Roman Quinn and RBI triple, but those are two teams who can hit them. Rangers, Twins underway, no score. Mets, Cardinals underway, no score. Let's go around the league. Things have changed a little bit. And uh, we'll start, I guess, with the NL East. And here's Ronald Acuna. Now, the Braves, still fourth place. That they're closer to last than they are to first, but they're only two games out of first. Acuna back, he was out for a little bit with an injury, and he's going to hit home run off the Cubs there. Um, I don't actually remember. Do you know off the top of your head what happened with that series? And I mean this legitimately. I don't. Someone beat the shit out of the other one. I don't remember who it was. No, I don't recall. I'm going to look at it. I'm curious. Uh, by the way, the Blue Jays though manhandled the Braves, so they're still four games under. Uh, Braves negative 16 run differential this early in the year. I don't really care. But pitching has been something else, man. I did not. I expected them to hit. I did not expect them to pitch. Who are the Braves? The Blue Jays. Oh, the Blue Jays. Yeah, they're they're pitching really well. Blue Jays and Yankees have the top two ERAs, I think, in the AL, which is you ask a lot of fans, they were not going to have that in the preseason. Yep. Robbie Ray having a great year. Speaking of, speaking of pitching, do you know the two pitchers that were named the AL and NL pitchers of the month? Well, it was a little New York bash, right? Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom. I mean, it, New York and New York love, baby. Who can you possibly argue? I mean, DeGrom has a microscopic ERA. I mean, he gives up a run, he loses the game, but he's got a microscopic ERA, and Cole is not far behind him. I think his ERA is one now. Who Cole? No, Cole is like 1.3 something. It's but uh, yeah, Shane Bieber is probably the only one, the only, only other person in the AL, and they went head to head, and, and Cole kicked his ass. Yeah, Cole won. So, and that's not the first time he's done it either. Uh, Mets still leading the NL East, but they're at 500. They have cooled off considerably, even in the last week. They've lost six out of ten, negative eleven run differential, which cracks me up for first place teams. Um, but hey, last week we had one team in the NL East over 500. Now we have two at 500, I believe. Yeah, Nationals 12 and 12, sneaky little team there. This was supposed to be arguably the best division in baseball. It's not off to a great start, but it's weird. Like, there's so much mediocrity going on right now, and there aren't really any runaway teams yet. You look at the NL Central, though, one of the teams I think we expected to be good, but not this good. The Brewers are in first place, 17 11. We had them in first. 17 11 is a legitimate record at this time of year. Definitely. 
I've Negative just, one run differential, by the way. <laughs> I want to put something on the, NL, on the NL East real quick. Yeah. The only team with a positive run differential is the last place team. Yeah, the Marlins. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> you, it, what's happening so early in the season, it, it, you try to put it together and then you just, there's just numbers and things that jump out at you and you're like, how does this make sense? You literally have the last place team that's 11 and 16, two and a half games behind first place. The only team with a positive run differential just doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. No, that run differentials are super fun to zero in on this early in the year. We'll get to one in the AL East, too, that I shared in Baseball Life. I'll reiterate, but Brewers negative one, six games over 500. Cardinals plus 19, four games over 500. So uh, the division's looking about what we had, though, and I don't know if it's going to change much. Brewers first, Cardinals second, Reds third. Cubs are last, but they're only half a game behind the Pirates. So I expect that's a full. I expect the Cubs to be better than the Pirates. Yeah, that's about it, though. Everything else is about where we expected it. Uh, sorry, Larry, 13 and 14 Reds. That's not going to cut it right now. And uh, we go to the NL West. Now, this is maybe the most interesting division so far in the NL. Very good one. The Giants are not only 17 and 11, but they're plus 25 run differential, and they've won six out of 10. So right now, we don't have any regression from them yet. They're pitching well. They're hitting Mike Talkman, my boy over there, off to a nice start over in San Francisco. Better than Brett Gardner, very clearly. I cannot wait until Talkman just stinks up the joint. And I can just give you all the proverbial I fucking told you so because you guys are on Mike Talkman's jock. Like you're you're waiting. I'm absolutely waiting. My petty button meme is on fire. I'm waiting. I know you've been hanging in the weeds because you can't come out of the weeds because Brett Gardner's so awful. It's great. It's not about Brett Gardner. That's the problem. It was never about Brett Gardner. It is. Because he when he's playing. Salary and he's six years older. He sucked when you've got playing time. Mike Talkman was not the answer. He's a bum. Mike he's Talkman. Not a reliever sucks. that checks all the boxes. Mike I like what he's in 2020 in a short season. He was wonderful in 2019 and he played very sporadically in 2021. Mike I'm telling you a team like it's not even, I, I agree with you. It's not Mike Talkman's not going to, not going to change the tide of the Yankees because he wasn't going to play every day anyway. Exactly. But a team like San Francisco, a stadium like they play in a league, like they play in, I guarantee you he's going to do well for himself. I only because I want him to in there does well for themselves. I want Estrada will have wait. I want Mike Talkman to do well, but he was never going to get the opportunity to do well while he was here. It made sense. But only because they signed Brett Gardner to twice the Mike Talkman, if I'm not mistaken, he's starting in San Francisco. I think so, and that's the so, best rule for him. And that's my point that he was never going to get that opportunity here. We got back a power reliever for him that we could. You can always use a power that power. Lefty reliever. <laughs> I will lefty reliever. <laughs> I don't mind the Peralta return, but my right. point is he is a better fit as a fourth outfielder than Gardner, and now he's going to thrive in San Francisco, he's which playing. shouldn't surprise anyone because, again, I guarantee you if Tyro Estrada gets playing time, he will also thrive in that ballpark. These are guys who can be pure hitters, and they're in a ballpark to pure hit in a hitting philosophy that does not stress everyone just become home run zombies. I'm not stressing the Mike talking trade. If Gardner's, Gardner's going to be hitting 180 in July, we're all going to miss him when Talkman's hitting 248. I love me so Whatever it is. Gardner's dead, you know why he's there. <laughs> so Giants in first place, 
Chris Flores joining us. How coincidental, by the way, she skips Little League practice on the day we talk about the San Francisco Giants after missing us. I think weeks. She, waited. she waited till the Giants were in first place. Mm-hmm. Yup. Chris strutting around a little bit. Ah, so yeah, Giants are first. They're, they're a half game out of the Dodgers, who, like we said, they've fallen off, lost seven out of ten, lost ten out of thirteen, I think. Padres three over. There, here's the difference: the Dodgers have that plus forty five run differential. So I mean, they're going to turn it around. That I do believe in is their run differential. And then you've got Arizona, fifteen and thirteen, maybe a little surprising because their pitching's so bad, but they've got some exciting hitting. I don't think Corey Decker's listening anymore, but this is the one time I'll defend Arizona. Corey's still rooting for them. They got something. Peralta, Carson Kelly, uh, even Varsho, their other catcher, pretty pretty nice hitter. They've got some bats. Um, they don't have the pitching, and they're not going to have the pitching. And Taylor Widener, who is maybe they're off to their best start besides Zach Allen, is hurt. So Colorado 10-18, no surprises there. Negative 11 run differential. We head to the AL East. Things getting a little bit interesting here now. Red Sox 17 and 12, still in first place. They've they're five and five in their last 10, so they've cooled off a little bit. Still hitting the hell out of the ball, but that pitching is starting to uh, I think come to what we probably expect it to be, which is inconsistent. Um, the bullpen's starting to give up some runs. Uh, you know, that's always the first thing to go with Boston when we know their bullpen's not good. They lost two out of three to the Rangers. Toronto, two, Toronto's a weird team. Every time I look, I feel like they're just beating the hell out of someone and they're two games over 500. So just, I don't know what to make of that. They're not hitting where, the way they should be hitting. They no, only- they're not. Springer back, he hit two home runs. We'll see what that leads to. Vlad, as we mentioned, playing on another planet right now. Uh, Yankees have clawed all the way back to 500. A nice week for them. I mean, they if you go back a little bit further, they take three or four from the Indians. They split with the Orioles, they sweep the Tigers. So you add all of that up and you've got eight and three, which I think you would take if you were going on the road to Cleveland, going on the road to Baltimore and then hosting Tigers at home. I think you take eight and three. That's good. That's what they should do. Yankees have been hot in their only 500. That tells you uh, everything you need to know right there. And they're starting to hit the home runs. I think these next six games, seven games, are a really nice stretch for them. They, they have the Astros at home. That's a big test. Astros can hit. So we're going to see. Uh, I got into it again. Me and Sean Flannery going at it uh, about this pitching staff. Look, I don't expect the Yankees pitching staff to have a sub-1 ERA this season. It's not going to happen. Neither of us expect that. But if you put up a sub-1 ERA as a pitching staff anytime against anyone, that's a good week. There's nothing you could say that changes that. Who was it you were arguing with? John Flannery. If the Mets had a week like that right now, they'd have five more wins. It's just this is how it works. John is a very, very bright baseball fan. And a lot of that gets turned off when he's talking about the Mets or about the Yankees. Yeah, those are his two triggers for sure. Everything else just goes out the window. You get you talk to him about anything else, I'll listen to him all day. He'll find the reason why the Mets are good and he'll find the reason why the Yankees are not good. Yeah. So I, I mean, look, I don't care. I don't, they're not going to, that sub one ERA will be countered one week with a five plus ERA or six plus ERA when they face some tough teams or they just have a bad week. But Corey Kluber, Corey Kluber, AL player of the week, Garrett Cole off to the best start of his career, Jamison Talion, best start of his season. Uh, Jordan Montgomery has struggled to actually. 
And then you've got, uh, who am I forgetting? Davy Garcia's come in now and, and Domingo Herman. wasn't that great. Oh, and Herman has had back to back good starts. So, I mean, it, it's, it's super, super early to even so talk early. about awards, but I wonder if there's ever been Cy Young award winners from the same city, ALNL. I'm going to guess it happened in LA at some point. I don't know why I just said that. I don't know any time the Angels have ever won a Cy Young. I, was say, I don't think the, the Cologne won. Cologne Cologne in 05. Yeah. I doubt the Dodgers won the Cy Young that year. I, I, I would like to know if there's ever been, you know, whether it's co-MVP, you know, MVPs or, or Cy Young award winners from the same city of opposing leagues. That's, that'd be, like, New York is going to be bug, buzzing if that happens. Mets, yeah, I, I'm thinking Clemens in 2000 won it, right? Yeah. I don't think the Mets did. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. There's only, what, five? I, I was wondering today if that ever happened. That would be so cool. I'd be curious. But, yeah, I mean, going back to it, I I don't know what to make of Boston still. Uh, that I think the bats are for real. I've defended their bats, actually, in baseball life. I, I, those, are you ready to give Cora some credit yet? I don't think I ever didn't give Cora credit. My only point was, in 08, I mean, in 18 – everything went right for the Red Sox. They had pretty good health. Everyone had a career year. It's really easy to be a first year manager and have everything go right with a team that should have won the World Series and they did. 19 things don't go so right and the team doesn't go right. Alex Cora is not a guy who can come in. He's not going to add 20 wins to a team. That's the only point. But he adds wins to that team. He's a a very good manager. Yeah, I never said he wasn't a good manager. It was just funny to me in 2018, Red Sox fans were like, this guy just turned us into a 110-win team forever. And that's not the case. You still need the talent. The manager's not changing. Which is why I've been advocating for Joey Corey to get some love because he's another one. If I'm the Yankees, put him in your system. I think he's in the pirate system right now. I don't want, I, and this has nothing to do with his skills as a manager. I, know, I don't know. want Joey Cora even in the same country as the Yankees, let alone the same state or clubhouse. I hate that man for eternity. Uh, <laughs> but that said, I mean, no, Alex Cora is a very good manager. Uh, you can tell, look, Alex Cora is one of the reasons I lobby for a Latino manager on the Yankees. They, I, I have said this before. It is in Puerto Rican blood or Venezuelan blood or whatever blood you, it's in your blood differently than it is, say, in Aaron Boone. I agree. You live, breathe, survive, in some cases, off of baseball. It's a totally different scenario. Not that Aaron Boone is not, I'm sure he's smart in some worlds and he is a baseball legacy, but it just doesn't absorb the same way. It, the game comes to Alex Cora naturally as a manager, it came to him as a player. He's a smart player. It doesn't come naturally to Aaron Boone as a manager. And that's the difference. Uh, you can say it's because he's, he's white or, or Hispanic or what. It just, that's a fact. So Alex Gore is a very good manager. I don't think he's going to take this bullpen and rotation and magically just make them a World Series contender. I just don't think no, they're there as a, as a roster. I think he manages wins, though. I think he his managing does, does pick up wins. Yeah. And that often, I, I mean, look, you have Xander Bogarts and Endeavors and, and J.D., Mm-hmm. You have them in your lineup, I mean, you're going to hit. This team, the Red Sox are, I think, going to contend for 500. I still have them there. And it's because the offense is so good. That bullpen is still really bad, even if Matt Barnes has a career year. And the rotation, 
Erod can revert back. I mean, one of my concerns in the beginning of the year was his health. I think that's behind him. So I think he's crossed that off. Evaldi's healthy right now, but he's not going to last a full season, even if he stays healthy, just from innings. And the Red Sox, unlike the Yankees, don't have Davey Garcia's or eventually Clark Schmidt's or Michael King's or guys like that who are going to fill in and maybe do a reasonable job. That's where their depth issues come into play. Um, Chris Sale will be back. And I firmly believe just because it's Chris Sale, he'll come back and like he never missed a beat. I think he'll be perfectly fine. It's just he's a weird freak of nature. I think he'll be fine. Luis Silverino, I'm not as confident about um, because he hasn't demonstrated that before. And I still think he might come back as a power reliever if necessary. So we'll see. But I still, the Red Sox just aren't there for me yet. I think they're going to continue to regress pitching-wise, which means they're not going to be this 90-95 win team competing for a division. Jays should be high 80s, low 90s, we'll see. I, the Yankees, I've been very down on. I, I think their offense is their downfall against good pitching. But I, I want to address uh, Brad Luder's question. He says, do you think Aaron Boone is starting the Yankees? So, Brad, come close. Absolutely fuck Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone is costing the Yankees wins, I will say. Since the day Aaron Boone took over, as Yankees manager, he has hurt the Yankees. And I don't mean that as hyperbole. It is absolute truth. And here's the proof of it. The 2018 playoffs, when when your Red Sox did beat the Yankees, Aaron Boone publicly stated the game moved too fast for him as a manager. In that game three, when the Red Sox won by like 100 runs, mm-hmm. he publicly stated the game moved too fast for him. Guess what he said in 2021 last week when he lost to the Orioles because he didn't challenge an obvious play that cost the Yankees a run. The game's moving too fast for him. Exactly. Year four as a manager, and the game is still moving too fast for him. Year four. Most managers don't last four years. He's in year four. The game's still moving too fast for him. He is an inadequate manager. Not average. Not above average. I don't care if he won 100 games. I don't care if he won 100 games two years in a row. He's an inadequate manager. I think inadequate is uh, being nice. It's a, it's a catch-all. Inadequate for me is anywhere from a C- minus to like a 0%. So he's Corey somewhere Richmond, in that range. Corey Richmond almost came through and almost came through in the clutch. Corey got 90, 1981. Fernando and Fingers, Raleigh Fingers was already on Milwaukee in 81. He was not in Oakland anymore. Ooh. Close. Very close. Good one. It is close. I like it. Uh, you know, Corey always comes through with the obscure fit. Like anything too. It could be wrestling, football, baseball, doesn't matter. He's he's gonna come through with obscure facts. Um Braves 14 and 15. So this was what I wanted to get into. Yankees plus 14 run differential, they're 500. Rays negative 12, they're half a game behind the Yankees, but the Rays are five and one against the Yankees head to head. So figure that one out. Um Orioles are what they are. Two games under 500. Orioles not embarrassing themselves like the Tigers, but you know they're going to come in last just by default. Um, I had, if I'm not mistaken, I think I had the Red Sox coming in last. So, I think you did. Yeah, I had the Red I Sox. In I may have missed that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I'll give the Red Sox just offense alone. I don't think they'll come in last. I didn't know that, and I didn't think their offense would be this good in the preseason. They did kill the ball in spring training, but now what we know, 30 games in. Uh, offense alone, they're not going to come in last. So I feel still good about fourth place, though. I mean, uh, J.D. Martinez said, let me give you J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts offense in one bat, is what he decided to do this year. <laughs> uh, 
AL Central, uh, we touched on the Royals. They're six over. They're negative, run three, negative three run differential. I think that does mean something. I think, like you said, I don't think their pitching's going to hold up. They don't hit a whole lot. Or I think Matt said it earlier in the show. It's good enough for Mike Matheny to win manager of the year, as we know. But uh, it, it's not going to be good enough to win that division. Although the Twins, we talked about them, 10 and 16, inverse plus three run differential. So that's, those are when you can start to look at that and be like, maybe there's something that's going to even out here. Um, and when you look at those two teams, White Sox, great run differential. We don't know what they are now. They've lost two of their best players. So we'll have to monitor that. And the Indians, man, Henry, I don't know if you had a different take watching them play the Yankees. That team is not good. <laughs> I, I was expecting more from, uh, from their pitching. Um, I, they, they, didn't look, they didn't look fundamentally good. No, like there was a couple of times I said, are the Yankees playing the Yankees? Like there was a lot of fundamental plays that they were just uh, botching out there. And I was a little surprised that they did not look good. This is a very, very obscure reference I'm going to make. The Cleveland Indians remind me of what the professional little league team in Sandlot thought the Sandlot players were going to be which was Benny the Jet Rodriguez and a bunch of nobodies. When I watch the Indians, I see Jose Ramirez and just a bunch of guys I'm not scared of. <laughs> Franny Reyes got to them that one game, but other than that, I mean, he can go one for 30 at any time. It he was just, the one that hit. Right? He said he, he has only two career triples in one series. Yeah, he can kill the ball when he makes contact. Uh, and he's having his best year yet. But that team, that offense has never – it hasn't scared anyone for two or three years now. But the pitching is not – as great as it's been in the past. Bieber is, Tristan McKenzie's struggling mightily. Um, and they don't really, they traded Carrasco. Um, Santana's not there, or Salazar's not there. It's just, I think it's clear, this could be the year they trade Jose Ramirez, just because it's on the outside. It just won't be to the Braves. <laughs> that I know. There are two teams that are set up perfectly for that trade. Just saying. Maybe one will pull the trigger. The uh, Mets are perfect for Jose Ramirez. And Tigers, we talked about, are awful. Yeah. You know, West, not much has changed since last week. Oakland's still in first. They pulled off five and five their last 10. Uh, they still have a negative run differential, but that is actually just because of how bad their first week was. So, I mean, you eliminate that first week, they're like, 16 and six, I think, with a plus 50 something run differential. So that's probably. Matt, and my boy Matt Chapman is not getting it done. He needs to pick it up. No, he did Homer though. He, you know what's crazy? You want to know how bad it was? He actually got dropped in my fantasy league. That is bad. And I could not, I, I couldn't pick him up any faster because Aaron beat me to it. I, yeah, that's silly. I mean, those are things that get silly in fantasy when you drop guys who have, yeah, you can look at Matt Chapman's back of his baseball card, minus 2020, and he's still in his prime. Unless he's hurt, he's going to pick it up. It just kind of happens. His year is really bad. I mean, his slugging is at 385. It's, it's bad. I would say Matt Chapman is the AL version of Francisco Lindor right now. Yeah. Like, it would be shocking to me if they stayed this bad this entire year. And that's even with Lindor switching leagues, which I always give like a one-year reprieve. You're facing entirely new pitchers, entirely new ballparks. I kind of get it. Um, it's why I wasn't that hard on Stanton, except when he was striking out 50% of the time in April, his first season. But after that, I mean, Lindor's got to – he can't hit 180. I don't care what league you're switching into. I don't care if you're getting promoted. You can't, get, you can't hit 180 a full season. I want to tell the Mets fans, don't be tranky, man. Come on. 
Yeah, he can't. That's the guy you don't boo. He wanted to be after us. Yeah, he (laughs) took the money. Frankie's like the guy you want to love. You don't boo him. If you want to boo somebody, boo anybody else. Boo Peter Lonzo, who was not playing the way he should be playing. Boo boo somebody. Do not boo Frankie, man. That's the guy that took the money to stay with you guys. He didn't have to take the money. He didn't have to sign that contract. Lindor didn't like it either. Yeah, I've never heard him. He was the post. He he had his teams back. He's like, look, don't boo us. We're out here playing hard. It's not the results we want, but don't boo us. I don't like it, and I was, I can appreciate that. But it kind of shows a little sensitivity, which, mm-hmm. you know, like I say, you, you got to be thick skinned to play in New York. No, New York's not. New York playing is not a thing, Henry. That's not a thing. <laughs> it's it's totally just the same as playing in Kansas City. It's exactly the same experience. Seven brown my ass. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Aaron Savali. Good point. He's four and zero. So that Indians have. My point with the Indians is they need like four really good starters to compensate for that offense and a really good bullpen. And right now they've got a couple good relievers, a few good starters, and a really bad offense. That's not going to hack it even in the AL Central. Um, Seattle sixteen and thirteen. They're doing their usual April thing. Although I will say they've got some exciting guys. Ty France is pretty good. Mitch Hanniger is pretty good. Uh, Kyle Lewis, pretty good. They've got Kalenic will be up, I'm sure, once Arb, Arb is safe. Yep. It's a team to watch. I'm putting them in the same boat I put a lot of teams, which is that they're just not there yet, but they might hang around. They might challenge 500. They're not going to make the playoffs again, but maybe next year. They just have to, you know, let them play, let them uh, get their feet wet, and that's what you got to do with these players. Yep. Astros about to head into a showdown with the Yankees. This is a really good series for a barometer between the Yankees and Astros, I think. Uh, you're going to have a lot of emotion with like 10,000 fans. I really wish it was full attendance, but it's obviously not. July 1st, um, maybe July 1st. Astros have won 7 out of 10. Yankees have won 7 out of 10. Cole's going to pitch in the series. Granky's going to pitch in the series. Astros have a uh, plus 32 run differential. Yankees up to plus 14. Astros are 15 and 13. Yankees are 14 and 14. So they're right about where they yeah, they're very similar to each other. Uh, Astros have been hitting cover off the ball. They've got their three best starters going in the series, of course. And the Yankees don't, but <laughs> it's going to be a good series. Yankees, in my mind, you take two out of three, and I think you can officially say they've turned a corner. You lose two out of three, you get swept by the Astros, and now you're starting to look at, oh, all right, maybe it's just Detroit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying the, oh, you only beat Detroit, oh, you only beat the Indians, oh, you only split with the Orioles. Nope. That's it. If, if it takes beating bad teams to get this team rolling, then that's what it takes. I don't care. You beat bad teams in the AL, you're going to win 70, 80 games. <laughs> Just doing that. So it's... Uh, Baseball players are mental. If, if you got to beat up on shitty teams to, to, to get your chakras right and, and, and to be in a good headspace and to be hot, then so be it. Beat the shit out of the bad teams. I completely agree. You got to, You have to, especially this early in the year, you got to take advantage of those games. Uh, you got to win those games. They did. So that that's a check for the Yankees. Now you get a, a, another good opponent. You know, you didn't show up against the Rays either time. You haven't shown up against the Blue Jays. This is another chance. Where are you in the season? Doesn't mean if they get swept by the Astros or lose two out of three, the season's over by any means. But this is another barometer test. They have the Nationals after that. They have the White Sox after that. It's going to be a pretty nice test for them these next 10 or so games. Uh, and then Angels 500, they're doing their Angels thing. They can hit. Jared Walsh having an amazing season. Mike Trout having an amazing season. Otani's healthy. They can't pitch. <laughs> so, same Where have we heard that before? 
Yep. And Texas doing Texas thing. They're not very good, but they're a 13 and 16. They just took a series from the Red Sox. So good for them. Uh, we got one segment left here, and that is our boonheaded. And I know, Henry, this is your baby. So uh, take it away here. Rocco Baldelli, what is you doing, baby? So I, I don't know if he wasn't. Maybe it's the Aaron Boone effect. Is boonheaded. Maybe the game went too fast. But Rocco Baldelli, who is a good baseball manager, went out to talk to Jose Barrios. And what did he do? He intended on leaving him in the game, but he had to take him out because pitching coach Wes Johnson had already visited the mound. And you can only um, visit the mound twice in the second one. You have to change, change the pitcher. So Barrios had to come out. Hansel Robles came in. In the middle of that bat, two, two men out. Two uh, runners on first and second. Tied. It was just a shitty, shitty situation. So Rocco Boldelli, boonheader of the week. Brutal. You got you, you can't. I don't understand. Like, where's your head? Your head is so far up your ass. If you just your pitching coach goes out there, you gotta know your pitching coach has gone out there. It, it, it's a two to three minute process. It's straight up just not paying attention is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Like your pitching coach going out there talking, he's gonna come back and report to you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand how that happens. I should add both both Mets managers actually had a shot at Boonheaded. They were overruled because that's just, I mean, that's like basic Little League stuff. Uh, well, not Little League, but as soon as that rules and effect stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that wins. But anyway, definitely worthy of Boonheaded. And that'll do it. I mean, we'll go through the score updates one more time. Again, not, not too much going on. Philly's now up 4-1 on the Brewers. They got a Vince Velasquez ground out. They couldn't get more boring. Twins up one nothing. They are on the board. Jorge Polanco in RBI, uh, or I'm sorry, a fly out to right. Krill off scoring on a Gallo error. Mets have taken a 2-1 lead here over the Cardinals. Nothing really of note there, but they are winning. Indians Royals are underway. No score there. Speaking of the Mets, Don Smith and Phillies incident happened Friday. How did we not get one fight all weekend? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to be smoke. It's Sunday night baseball. Everybody, there's going to be some. And no fight. Yankees need a good brawl. This is where we miss CeCe Sabathia in the game. In fact, this is where I show for CeCe. I'm going to send a shout out to Amber Sabathia, who just became a sports agent. Now, her husband's made hundreds of millions of dollars. They live in Tenafly, New Jersey, which is a beautiful town with the most extravagant home. She didn't have to do this. She went out, got her credentials. She became a sports agent. Amber Garcia, congratulations. And still, hashtag CC for Dong City. I'm not stopping until we get CC Sabathia on this podcast. Now I want them both. I'm rocking the hat, just like CC for that reason. One day, one day we will get CC. We will. Uh, and we will mention it every show until we do. Every single show. Henry is shilling for CC. <laughs> we, can, uh, we, can, we can make that a segment. Shilling for CC. Yeah, I like it. Uh, <laughs> maybe not shilling because it'll just bring bad juice. But um, yeah, we can call it begging for I don't care what we call yeah. it. As long as we get CC on this show, man. Stumping for CC. Whatever it is. I mean, we uh, will be back with show 59 next week. Can't wait to see what you have for me on that one. I guarantee you it's going to be better than Jonathan Pappas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This has been mostly episode 58 and a half, yes. which is no baseball player, thankfully. Um, tune in next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Dong City. 
Uh, we mentioned it earlier. If you weren't listening then, you are listening now. Matt Bushnell, Randy Hammond on the Audible, 7 p.m. tomorrow, Tuesday. We have um, work shoot Thursdays, 8 p.m. And total bases Sunday morning. Total bases on Sunday mornings. That is for your fantasy fill of baseball. Uh, and that'll do it for us. So this has been Donk City. Everyone, Thank bow you. down to King Henry and have a great night. Dong City, you peasants. <laughs>